Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Engineering Student Experience Podcast. My name is Paul Nissenson, and I'm a faculty member in the Mechanical Engineering Department at Cal Poly Pomona. Today's episode is all about mechanical engineering. Recently, I sat down with Dr. Merdad Haki and Dr. Nolan Suchia from the Mechanical Engineering Department at my university. We discussed what mechanical engineering is all about, including the subdisciplines within mechanical engineering, the career paths available to mechanical engineers, and various tips for mechanical engineering students. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, I'm here with Merdad Haki and Nolan Suchia, two of my colleagues in the mechanical engineering department here at Cal Poly Pomona. First of all, Merdad and Nolan, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy days to have this conversation. Pleasure being here. Same. So I think it'd be a little helpful to our listeners um, if you gave a little bit of context uh, about who you are. So, uh, you know, what was your education? Um, what kind of research did you do in school? Uh, if you have industry experience, what was that like? And, and how long have you been teaching? Okay, I guess I'll go first. Um, I uh, got my bachelor's degree in applied physics and mechanical engineering at Caltech. And then I got my master's and PhD in mechanical engineering at MIT. And then I went and I taught at University of Michigan Ann Arbor for about four and a half years or so. And um, at that point, I'd been in academia my whole life, and so I was hesitant to continue teaching when I hadn't practiced as an engineer. So I took a job as an engineering consultant doing failure analysis uh, and um, system analysis, basically engineering failures and accidents uh, in Los Angeles and working for a company that at the time was called Failure Analysis Associates, now it's called Exponent. And I worked for those guys for, I guess, six, seven years or so, and then started my own uh, engineering consulting firm and continued to do that work. And actually, I continue to do that up until now. And then uh, in 2008, I saw an opening at Cal Poly Pomona, which is just my kind of university because it values education and it values practical knowledge, uh, which a lot of universities don't value as much. Um, so I applied here, and I've been teaching since 2008, so this makes it my 10-year anniversary here. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not quite at that level yet. Uh, I, in 2006, I graduated with my bachelor's in mechanical engineering uh, from UC Berkeley. Uh, like many of the students here at Cal Poly, I was eager to earn a paycheck. So instead of going straight back to grad school, I uh, worked as a mechanical engineer in the HVAC industry uh, for nearly five years uh, until I realized it wasn't for me that I wanted to be back in academia. Um, at that point, did you know the normal application process and, and ended up back at UCLA for uh, both master's and um, PhD in mechanical engineering, focusing on uh, control systems. Uh, during my time at UCLA, I did a little bit of teaching here, actually, as a part-timer, um, and that eventually turned into my full-time um, position here at Cal Poly, and that mm -hmm. was back in 2015, and so three years later, I'm still here as an assistant professor. Mm. What kind of research did you do? My research was in adaptive control algorithms, um, whatever that means. So we did a lot of uh, adapt applied adaptive control 
in, in disturbance rejection on uh, both magnetically levitated systems as well as laser steering systems. Mm. So it's very interesting stuff, actually. So failure analysis and control systems. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, except my research is not really on failure analysis. Uh, I mean, it's related. I do material, strength of materials, basically. I do so. Most of my research is on how materials deform and fail. And that can be anything from composites to 3D printed materials to more traditional materials. Okay, so if you had to describe mechanical engineering to someone who doesn't know much about mechanical engineering in just a few sentences, how would you do it? Well, it's probably the most difficult branch of engineering to describe because it's the broadest. I mean, we, um, roughly speaking, we, we, we deal with solid mechanics and design, so how objects that we have put together resist forces and deflect. And then there's uh, fluid mechanics, uh, and then there's uh, energy systems. So how you manipulate energy to get it to do what you want it to do. But I mean, we mechanical engineers in some ways do things similar to both civil engineers and aeronautical engineers and material scientists. We, we kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I think that was very well put. It is very hard to describe because it is very broad. Um, some of the things required to be a mechanical engineer, um, I mean, we, we use knowledge from mathematics, physics, and, and general engineering um, to essentially do design and analysis of mechanical systems. So the, the fundamentals are still there uh, in mathematics and, and physics. I might add also that recently, I think mechanical engineering has become a lot more interdisciplinary. Mm. So we're working with electrical engineers and computer scientists and even in the traditional scientists to carry out more complex designs than, than we have in the past. Mm. So um, for a student coming into a mechanical engineering program, what kind of courses should they be expecting to take? Well, certainly... Um Physics and mathematics form the core of the analytical part of what we do, but uh, it also helps to have a hands-on approach and an interest in just how things are put together and how things operate. So people who uh, like to tinker, like to build things, like to make things go, generally are happier and do better at mechanical engineering than, than if you're purely theoretical and mathematical. Mm. Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, uh, part of what separates mechanical from, say, computer science is that we actually get to produce physical uh, systems that we can see, to, to some degree, you can see it moving and see the result of your design. Mm. So you mentioned that both civil and, and aerospace uh, have a lot of similarities. What, what kind of courses would be similar and how, how are they differentiated from each other? And, I mean, civil engineering does a lot of structural analysis. Um, so the only difference is mechanical engineers generally build objects that move around. Civil engineers build stationary objects. But, I mean, the handling of loads and deflections are all the same. So strength of materials, statics, dynamics, all of those are common. Um, aeronautical engineering is actually so close to mechanical engineering that in many universities, Aeronautical and, and mechanical engineering are a single department. It's just that aeronautical engineering is mechanical engineering done on specific structures, which is aircraft and spacecraft for the most part.
Yeah, at UC Irvine, where, where I got my degree, that's a combined mechanical and aerospace engineering department. Yeah, same at UCLA as well. So for a high school student, um, how could he or she prepare to enter a mechanical engineering program? Yeah, a high school student preparing uh, to come in as a mechanical engineer really needs to focus on their core mathematics and, and physics, I think, are the two probably the two primary subjects because those are the first courses they're going to take um, before they start getting into the, um, the major courses. So after a student enters a mechanical engineering program, uh, what could he or she do or what kind of advice would you give to make sure that they not only uh, succeed here at a, at a university, but also put themselves in a good position to be hireable uh, after they leave? Succeeding in the early stages of your university career requires learning to function in a university which is very different from high school. And that's the advice there is no different than it would be for anybody else, which is uh, extracurricular activities are cool and awesome and parties are great, but you really need to spend a good chunk of your time working on your academics and learn time management. Um, and focus on the fundamentals. I, I think one thing that happens is students get into this mindset of, oh, I just need to pass this class. But if you don't learn your fundamentals like statics and dynamics really well, that's going to hobble you through the rest of your career. As you move on through your academic career and undergraduate school, later on, then it becomes really important to go ahead and tackle some of those more challenging things do independent projects, join a student team and build actually a race car, uh, take internships and get some exposure to industry because uh, the thing that sets you apart, and the, especially at Cal Poly, the thing that sets our students apart from the average run-of-the-mill engineering graduate is that we can actually do things. Right out of the gate, we can do things and do them well, and that comes from experience, and, and employers uh, like that that, that, that uh, we're trained not just in the theoretical aspect of things, but also on the practical side of it. Yeah, I might also add that, um, of, course, of course, grades are good. You need to keep your GPA strong to be competitive uh, in the, uh, the industry. But uh, employers are also looking for uh, an ability to work in a collaborative environment. Mm -hmm. So when, when students are wondering whether they should be in you know, take on an internship or be part of a club or society or join a, one of the teams here. I think fundamentally what they're doing is they're proving to their future employer that they can work on a team and, and sort of collaborate on a common goal. Yeah, I definitely agree with Nolan. And, and um, there's kind of different activities that you would take on depending on what career arc you're interested in. If you're interested in going to graduate school, especially if you want to get a PhD, then your grades become much more important. Uh, and you, you cannot slack on those. And the kind of extracurricular activities that you might want to undertake might be more research-oriented with the aim of getting a student publication or presenting in a conference. Um, if your main aim is to become a practicing engineer right out the gate, then the more practical projects are better than theoretical projects because they demonstrate that you can work in a team to actually create an object that does what it's intended to do on schedule. Mm. Is there a certain time that you think students should be looking for uh, internships and um, sort of related to that, uh, 
what are some of the things that they can do to make themselves more marketable for internships? Because it can be very competitive. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the time to look for internships, I, you know, very first summer is the time to look for internships. The sooner, the better. And the, the reason I say that is because sometimes you don't know if you will like doing something until you try it. Um, and if you take an internship and it turns out that you thought you loved fluid mechanics, but actually it turns out you hate working on those kinds of problems, then if you've done that early enough, you have a chance to try something else. And if it turns out that you do actually love it, then you work for the company for three, four years, build a relationship with them, and the chances are very good that they're going to, if you do a good job for them, they'll offer you a position when you graduate. Of course, students should be aiming for, a, let's say, a 4.0 GPA all the time. But uh, realistically, what is sort of the minimum grade point average that, that you think that most, like when you, you have to turn in resumes, and, and one thing they're going to look at right away is, is what your GPA is, among other things. What sort of a minimum GPA that, that students should be aiming for to be competitive? I would say that that's a tough question because mm. it's the whole picture, I think, that the employers are looking for. If you, if you maintain B minuses throughout your entire undergraduate career but have excellent you know, team, uh, team activities where you, you know, maybe you're building a race car and in competitions every year. And um, so I think there's a balance there. And I, I would hope that employers look at the full picture. Uh, on the other hand, if your intent is to go back to grad school, um, then, then there actually is a minimum GPA requirement for many schools that you have to um, surpass. And that's usually somewhere in the 3.2 to 3.5 range just to be qualified to apply there. So now that we're talking you know, about grad school, how important is grad school nowadays for um, a mechanical engineer? In my opinion, in 10 years, at least a master's degree is going to be the standard. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's, it, PhD is a whole different animal than a master's. A, a master's degree, you gain some, some practical skills and a little bit deeper knowledge in a few areas. And it's certainly um, a good degree to have for advancement. And a lot of companies will actually pay for you to get your master's degree if you've been working with them for a while and you promise to work for a couple of years afterwards. And so I think that's very practical. And uh, most mechanical engineers, if, they, if they're advancement-minded, uh, would benefit from a master's degree. PhD is a specialized degree which is really only you should only get a phd if a you are absolutely driven to to do that or b you need it for your specific job which is being a professor being a researcher or working in a government lab doing high level technical work um, it, it's a massive commitment of time money and energy and uh it's awesome if it's a fit for you but it's not something to get into lightly yeah, you have to give up uh, half a decade of your life at least, at least. pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree there. Um, uh, however, when students come into my office and, and they're on the verge of graduating and they're not sure what to do, there's often this question of if they should go back to grad school right away. And I'll often advise that they shouldn't. They should go out and you know go out into industry and see what they like first. It's possible that their job career path may never require a master's. And I think you won't know that until you get some real world experience. 
Yeah, I think that's that's true. It's it's um, it's a mixed uh, situation in in my mind. On the one hand, if you're pretty sure you're going to get a master's degree at some point in the future, getting it right away is good because you haven't gotten a taste of having real income yet. <laughs> As an undergraduate, you've been poor. You're used to it, so you get your master's degree. It doesn't bother you that much. Um, once you have gotten used to making real real money and you have a family and a mortgage, sometimes it's more of a challenge to go back to school. But on the other hand, master's degree, like I said, a lot of times companies will sponsor that and that takes some of the pain out of that. And certainly if you're not sure whether you want to get a master's degree or not in the future, then it's beneficial to get some work experience and figure out if it's right for you or not. So if students do go into industry, um, what kind of career options uh, are available for mechanical engineers. Certainly, there's there's uh, HVAC uh, uh, jobs available. Always um, need HVAC. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what other kind of jobs are are out there in industry and, and also government type jobs? Um, so many. I yeah. mean, uh, that's, a, that's a very long question. I know. It's a long question. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, stress and structural analysis. There's um, design. Uh, there's uh, manufacturing operations you can work in. I mean, I don't think there's a factory around uh, or a building around that hasn't had involvement from mechanical engineers. Mechanical engineers do uh, uh, piping and air conditioning and uh, boiler design and energy system design, engine design, vehicles, so many. I really don't know where to go with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say, I would add to that, um, I think in recent years, there's a big push towards mechatronic systems and control systems and even robotics. Mm. And so it's a whole other avenue that you can pursue as a, as a mechanical engineer. Um, and of course, you know, the, the big government contractors like Northrop Grumman or Raytheon, always hiring mechanical engineers. It's a very stable kind of um, secure job if, if that's what you're seeking. Mm. Yeah, certainly. Um, aerospace and defense industries need it. Also, the other thing that uh, comes to mind is that um, one certification that is very useful to mechanical engineers is the professional engineer's license. Mm. Uh, and the best time to get your engineer and training certification is right at the end of your undergraduate career because that's the level at which those tests are aimed at. And um, then you can get your professional engineer's uh, certification maybe five years later after you have sufficient experience. And that opens up all sorts of avenues. If you are going to be the engineer in charge of a design and actually stamp it, you have to be a professional engineer. Uh, for many government jobs, you, it requires you to be a professional engineer. And um, also, if you want to be a consulting engineer, you have to be a professional engineer to do that. So it, it's nothing but good. And uh, yeah, the best time to do it is when your undergraduate work is still fresh in your mind. I have to agree with that too. Um, on the other hand, I, Murdad, you're a licensed engineer, correct? Yeah, yeah 20 I, years. Yeah, I've, I've had my license since 2008. Uh, and I would, you know, I would also argue maybe that it's, it's definitely dependent on the area that you go into. Um, I've never used my stamp for anything, <laughs> to be honest, in, in the past yeah. 10 years. Um, 
but but yeah, I have to agree that you know it does open up a lot of doors for you if you choose to pursue those paths. In, in other words, it gives you more options than than not. Right. I, I'm I'm not saying everybody has to be a PE to function. There's lots of mechanical engineers who aren't PEs and do just great. It's just that with a PE you have more alternatives available to you than without it. Right. And it's not that painful to get it when you're just out of school and it becomes quite painful after you've been gone for 20 years. <laughs> right, yeah. That's, that's something we agree on. Yeah, and in, in kind of in contrast for, for civil engineering, uh, we were having a conversation in, in a, a different episode and you really can't get a job almost if you don't have your PE license in that field. So one question that uh, a lot of students probably have on their mind is, is how much money can they make? A typical mm -hmm. mechanical, I know there's going to be a big range here, of course, depending on what job you get um, and if you have internships and, and what kind of skills you have, but what kind, of, what kind of range of salaries could they expect immediately after college and then maybe, let's say, five to ten years after college? Yeah, before we answer, I, I would almost like to see what our individual numbers would be. In other words, my dad probably has an idea. I might have an idea. It'd be interesting to see what our numbers are. Oh, what do you think about doing that? Um, you mean just writing down a range? Of, or just you could say it at the same time. Yeah, blurt it out. I mean, for for a starting engineer, I I would guess the range goes somewhere between sixty seventy five thousand dollars a year. If you're exceptionally well qualified, you can make more than that. Um, and if you're taking a job that is heavy into the service and social mission side of things and not as well compensated, it could be less. But for my recent graduates, I'd guess the range is between sixty and seventy-five thousand. Further down the line, I, you know, I, I I think the median salary for mechanical engineers is what eighty-five hundred thousand dollars, something like that, for experienced mechanical engineers. Yeah, those are kind of the numbers that I've I've seen online. Yeah. Available. Yeah. Did you have a different number? No, no my numbers are identical. So that's <laughs> kind of a silly exercise. Yeah, I, I would say roughly 65 to 70. Um, but, but I think you have to take that range with a grain of salt because, you know, the starting salary is dependent on so many different factors. Um, obviously, the particular industry you're working in, um, maybe you have some previous experience or previous uh, internships at that same company. Right. So I think those are all going to factor in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have a, uh, a, a skill set that is exactly what some company is looking for and it's a relatively rare skill set, you're going to make a lot of money. Um, and it depends on what environment you're going into. So these are all just ballpark numbers. So to give uh, the listeners sort of more of a concrete idea of what mechanical engineers do, um, let's imagine that we have a large office building that's going to be constructed. In what way would mechanical engineers be uh, part of that project? Well, I mean, um, honestly, I haven't been very involved in building design, so I'm not sure if I'm the best person to answer this. I know that heating and ventilation and air conditioning and energy budgets are uh, uh, something that mechanical engineers would do. Uh, but I, I, how much of it civil engineers could do or would do and the architects do, I'm not really well qualified to say. I can probably provide some information <laughs> on that. Good. So, yeah, so, so new construction has pretty standard procedures. Um, typically, a, like a 
primary architect is going to hire a general contractor to actually carry out the construction. Um, and that general contractor is going to hire out many subcontractors to work on different aspects of the building. One of those contractors is always a mechanical contractor, which is where you're going to find the mechanical engineers. Those engineers are responsible for pretty much all of the mechanical elements in the building. So they're going to do um, ducting layout and, and piping layout and sizing the air handlers and essentially all of the, the HVAC. Also the building energy management systems as well. Um, well, so, so they, do, they do load calculations based on things like the local climate and weather and even the orientation of the building to figure out how much air and how much warm or cold water you need to supply to the building. So these all kind of go into the, uh, the energy management side of the building. Well, Mayor Dodd and Nolan, uh, I've been having a great time having this conversation and, and I, I do thank you for your time, but I, uh, I'll let you, before, I, before you go, uh, I'll let you give your, your pitch for why students should think about mechanical engineering as uh, first as a uh, major and uh, then as a career path. Okay. Look, I would say I would say if you're the type of person who likes to tinker with things and see things move and understand how and why a certain thing moves a certain way, this is the perfect discipline for you because you're going to study how forces interact to to produce some movement, but you're also going to study why 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 do things happen a certain way so for the for the people interested in working on their cars or working on their bikes or, or building stuff from the ground up and, and making it move in a, in a particular way i think this is a perfect kind of environment for for those students why did you become a mechanical engineer by accident <laughs> I, you want you want the real truth of that one sure. I, I became a mechanical engineer because i wanted to be a physicist mm -hmm. and i uh, all of my physicist friends ended up uh, being computer programmers because they couldn't get jobs in physics so i was like okay well this is pretty close to physics and it's much more practical so i became a mechanical engineer major for that reason and then in the last year of undergraduate school, like took a course on fracture mechanics, and it was so cool that mm. um, I wanted to learn more about it, about why materials behave the way that they do. Why do they deform, and why do they break, and what's going on at a fundamental level? So that's that's where my interest in mechanics of materials came from, and kind of led one thing to another. Nolan and Meredad, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Thank you. I would like to again thank Dr. Meredad Haghi and Dr. Nolan Suchia for spending some time with me to share their experience in the field of mechanical engineering. I also would like to thank Cesa Moreno for helping record and edit this episode, as well as Cal Poly Pomona for providing funding for this podcast pilot project. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support it by leaving comments wherever you heard the podcast and letting friends and family know about the podcast. Goodbye for now.